Please agree with me in prayer. And um, I've said this all along, but the devil does not like these type of sermons. Okay, so please agree with me in prayer. I appreciate it tonight. All right, I'm going to have to just go ahead and move forward with it. But if you would, just let me know all the music's off, all the recordings are going. And just let me know when you're ready. And while I pray tonight, is everything good? All right, while I pray, please agree with me because the Bible says the two agree on earth is touching anything, God will do it. So I need some agreement, okay? And y'all stand with me tonight. So Father, we thank you as we preach this. It goes out through the internet. Who knows every place this thing goes, you know? And Lord, we're believing tonight for the power of your word to go out and change lives. So Father, we collectively agree together in Jesus' name that you would anoint me fresh and speak through me your word tonight, your living word. And Lord, it'll truly be rhema from heaven. It'll truly be manna. And Lord, we ask you that it will go out in glory and power and strong anointing. And the Bible says it will accomplish that which it's sent forth to do. We're asking you, Lord, that this word will go out as living seeds of truth sown into good fertile soil. Even right now that your Holy Spirit would move upon every person that's hearing this to give you their best ear, their full attention, their focus, to get locked in. Lord, that, that we all are good fertile soil for what you're speaking unto us right now. And Lord, I pray that our, um, our minds be locked in. There's not going to be any distractions. And that our eyes and ears be anointed. We have eyes and ears of the Spirit. And these, this word will go out and land into that good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit that's been prepared. And these, this truth of your word will take root and grow and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Lord, let your word tonight be like a hammer that breaks right through every stronghold. Let it be a sword that's going to penetrate and get where it needs to go. Lord, let your word be light that dispels all the darkness, all the lies, all the deception of the enemy and brings truth and revelation. Let there be a washing of the water of the word of God. And we pray, Lord, that the winds of your spirit are going to carry this everywhere it needs to go. Your angels watch over it. The Bible says, Satan, the birds of the air, try to steal the seed. So, Lord, we bind up anything of the enemy that would try to hinder or distract in any way. We bind it now, and we command it to go in Jesus' name. And, Lord, that your mighty angels will clear that out and watch over your word. And this will go forth and get where it needs to be and do what it needs to do. So, Lord, we stand on that promise. It's not going to return void. We expect it tonight. We thank you for hearing and answering our prayers, meeting every need. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. All right, well, on part nine, I do these really tiny sermon series, right? You know, little bitty ones, right? But anyway, on part nine, this is the apostate harlot church. And this is liable to be the most hardcore sermon yet. <laughs> yeah, we've been building up to this one. But um, anyway, I believe it's really important. All right, without getting too many rabbit trails, but... You know, the Bible talks about a Revelation 17 and then Revelation 18. Revelation 17 deals with the harlot church, the whore of Babylon. And this, this is a satanic counterfeit, and this is something that the false prophet will have a lot to do with. The false prophet and the harlot church will help make way for the Antichrist to come to power, and his reign has to do with with a secular governments being aligned okay but the first move is going to be um, the false prophet and a harlot church that's going on right now so hopefully with the Lord's help I'll be able to go through all of this and cover what I need to is there, there's a lot of different things I could rabbit trail on tonight so but how many of you guys can see in the day that we're living that it seems like there are strange things going on in many areas and just one of those areas is some of the things that are going on in some churches out there you know I just saw that there were several churches that had representatives marching in a gay parade you know just to name one of many things I'm gonna cover some things tonight in here that but man the church is called to be a light not called to be promoting things that God says is an abomination. And as much as I love everybody and I love those people, they're deceived 
and I strongly question if they're really God's true people to be honest with you because they wouldn't be marching around in something like that if they were they would the Holy Spirit would prevent them in their heart they'd know so here's my point there is a strange hybrid harlot church out there that does not require a new birth they do not embrace repentance of sin and they do not hold to the Bible being the infallible Word of God that's why those three things are why they're in total deception it's just a social club that calls itself Christianity so let me say that again because what I'm saying is actually very key not only in this sermon but it's very key that we all understand this period in the days that we're living this harlot church that's going to go darker and darker into deception and the lies of the enemy and all that eventually full on with the false prophet that church does not require a new birth for us to really be Christ's here tonight we have to be born again you cannot just be religious you can't just say well I am a Christian well that's fine a lot of people can say that but are you born again this harlot church does not require a new birth and it does not embrace repentance of sin so people are living in total unrepentant sin and thirdly it does not hold to the Bible as the infallible Word of God how many knows there has been a major attack against the Word of God in the days that we're living more so than anything I've ever seen in my lifetime there has been a weird view which I hopefully I'll be able to get to this in this sermon but on dominionism and also this strange view of heaven on earth I believe um, as far as the presence of God coming down and healings and miracles and all that of course heaven invading earth but there's a whole nother view out there by this emerging church which I'm gonna get into that's very strange and a mentality that even does away with the concept of hell they don't believe in hell anymore that's convenient if you want to live in sin and you you know you don't want to embrace the Word of God etc it's very convenient to do away with hell isn't it, it makes everybody feel good but there still is a hell and very foundational biblical beliefs now see it's one thing to have different opinions about different things now, you know one person will witness this way another person may use a different method or whatever there's countless examples but we have different little opinions about this and the other but when you get to the very foundational belief systems in Christianity being challenged that's a major problem and that's what we're dealing with in the day that we live so I want you to give me your best ear tonight I'm gonna read a few scriptures and I'm just gonna dive into this but 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3 says let no one in any way deceive you for it will not come this is the coming of the Lord the coming of the Lord will not come unless the apostasy comes first I hope you all hear me on this scripture because this is really a foundational scripture for this whole sermon there's an apostasy that comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed the Antichrist we're living at a time when there's so many different signs biblical signs and Jesus said to look for these signs he said when you see all these things look up your redemption draws not you know he rebuked the people of his day he said you can look at a fig tree and see the leaves coming out you know that it's about to be a season change but you can't even tell the day of your visitation and he rebuked them for not knowing the time that they live and discerning the season so it is very biblical in in Jesus's teachings for us to observe the signs and understand that we are in the last days we're the coming of the Lord is near and we need to be circumspect we need to be having our eyes uh, in tune with what God is showing and speaking and doing and we're walking with him and we understand what's going on in our generation it's very important I think there's too many people out there that are asleep spiritually but it says let no one in any way deceive you for it will not come the coming of the Lord will not come unless the apostasy comes first and this is the New American Standard this is actually the best translation of what it's saying in the Greek 
Some translations say unless the rebellion comes or unless the, the King James says a great falling away take place. What that Greek word apostasia means is an apostate. Somebody that is an apostate is somebody that walked with the Lord, called themselves a Christian, they turned their back on the Lord, they renounced Christianity, and now they call themselves something else. That's an apostate. We're living in a time where we're seeing many people leaving the church. They used to call themselves a Christian, but now they call themselves something else. Now maybe they're a witch. Now maybe they're a homosexual. Whatever it is, but they, they're an atheist now or whatever, but they have literally renounced the Lord. This is another sign of the times that there right now is a falling away. How many knows that God hates riding the fence? Choose this day who you're going to serve. Many times when revival comes, the first thing God will do will be electrify the fence. And he will force people to figure out what side you're going to be on. Are you for me or against me? He'll electrify that fence. And there'll be people that leave. They get offended and walk away from the faith. And others will go after God with all their heart. But God will separate the wheat from the tares. It's like we're living in a time where the sword is coming down. And God's dealing with it, isn't he? It's like you're either for me or against me. In 2 Timothy 4.3, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I believe that we're living in the time that we're seeing these scriptures fulfilled before our eyes. I hope you understand that I'm reading scriptures that were written a couple thousand years ago. That you're seeing the fulfillment begin in your generation and you're seeing them with your eyes. Let that sink in for a minute. But the Apostle Paul prophesied that there would come a time when people would not endure sound doctrine. And we're living in that time. But what? They want to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. If they want to be gay, they will, you know, ordain a gay minister that will tell them that it's okay to be gay. They'll have a gay church and everybody will just be gay. But that doesn't mean God approves of it. It's a deception. They will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. But Paul said, but you be sober in all things Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. But there will come a time where people would no longer endure sound doctrine. Whatever it is that they want, whatever it is they like, they'll just simply find a preacher that'll tell them what they want to hear. And they'll put him on the pedestal. They'll all gather all their other little deceived buddies together and listen to that. And it's just a deception. First Thessalonians 5.21 But examine everything. Another translation, test all things. I have felt that through this whole series that that scripture has been on my heart. Test all things. Examine everything. Make sure that things are of God. Hold fast to that which is good. All right. This has to do with what I preached last week, true discernment. That we examine all things and we hold fast to what is good. But we put it under the spiritual microscope. We make sure, is it really God or is it not? We're living in a time when for whatever reason, some people seemingly are selling out and behind pulpits, watering down messages cheap grace false gospels trying to sell jesus like make jesus sound good so that people will accept him on their terms forget that he is the king he came he laid down his life we're sinners we need him if that's not good enough for you you know the thing is people are trying to make jesus the gospel like flower it up for somebody you're selling them a false gospel anyway like that just give them the truth 
You know, when Jesus walked the earth, he just simply told the truth. Some people wanted to kill him. Other people loved him. It's the same today. Just tell the truth. They're wanting to present a Christianity that has no sacrifice to it. Give me a break. Jesus said to lay down your life. Pick up your cross and follow him. The cross is death. It's sacrifice. We're living in a time among God's people of worldliness. Man, so much worldliness and such an entertainment mentality that it's like a show being put on. And also, this is a time like no other time that I've seen in my lifetime when there's been too much of an acceptance of sin in the camp. And we need to remember these three things tonight that will be like a litmus test. Jesus said in Matthew 22, 29, you, he was speaking to the Sadducees, and he said, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. See, we've got to know the word, but we've also got to know the spirit of God. I dealt with that last week, but we have to know both. We have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have to have discernment by the Holy Spirit. But we also have to really know the word for ourselves. And so let me give you three things. Examine everything under the authority of God's word. Therefore, we have to know the word for ourselves, don't we? Number two, test the spirits. What spirit is behind it? And then number three, examine the fruit of everything. You know, people like to throw around the phrase, don't judge. And there is an ungodly judgment Jesus preached against. Yeah, there is an ungodly judgment. You see your brother and sister really trying, they're struggling, and you look down on them and judge them, that's evil. But there is a righteous judgment too. And that's where you look at the fruit, and that the fruit is evil. Jesus said then the, the tree is bad, and the roots are evil, and you don't need to have anything to do with that type of fruit. So God has called us to look at the fruit of things. You know, some goofy people have come against different revivals. Failing to obey the scriptures to test the fruit. If you would look at the fruit of these great revivals, for example, that happened in the 90s, you had literally hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of people that gave their life to Jesus. Oh yeah, that's the devil, right? Common sense. You had people, I mean, by the hundreds of thousands, I saw it, I was there, I was in it, by the hundreds of thousands, repenting of their sin and getting right with God. Look at the fruits. But you see some things out there that the fruit of that, the fruit of that message and the fruit of that so-called ministry, I'm not trying to be mean, but the fruit of it is that people are not getting right with God. People are continuing to live in unrepentant sin. There's a strange spirit, and there is major deception. Those three tests will keep you. Examine things under the Word of God, test the spirits, and look at the fruit in that ministry. Here's some spiritual signs of the times. I'm going to go back over. I already read these scriptures. But we're living in a time when people have developed itching ears. You know, when someone gets a rash. Well, picture that for a moment. It's like a rash and they, well, they want their ears scratched. When somebody is healthy, they want the truth. I want to be spiritually healthy, desiring the truth to be told to me. Even if it hurts, I want the truth. But somebody that's got like a spiritual sickness about them, they got these itching ears and they want that deception. They want that deception. Feed me more of that. The Bible also says there would be that apostasia. There would be a great falling away. Don't be surprised in the days to come. People that you thought were Christians end up renouncing the Lord and leaving the church. Because the Lord has literally drawn his sword and it's coming down. You're either for him or against him. And there's not going to be any more of this riding the fence. There's not going to be any more games that are played. You understand that everything to do with end time prophecy, um, I could go through a big long thing of that. But if you kind of want to funnel things down, God is going to be forcing humanity to choose which God they're going to serve. 
You're going to accept my son and come my way, or you're going to accept the Antichrist and go with the devil. You're going to take a mark or you're not. He's going to force humanity to choose. And the Bible warns us in 1 Timothy 4.1 that there's going to be seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, which this whole sermon series is about. Seducing spirits can be translated spirits of deception. Everybody think about that for a moment. That scripture, 1 Timothy 4.1, says that there are spirits of deception. We see a lot of deception in the day and age that we live. But there are demonic spirits that are behind that deception. And the only way that people are going to be able to really be protected from that garbage is by having a love for the truth. And be willing to be persecuted for the truth. And then Matthew 24 verse 4, Jesus said about the last days, you know, his disciples asked him, when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming? And Jesus says, watch out that nobody deceive you. That's the first thing Jesus said about end time prophecy was don't get deceived. So with all those scriptures in mind and with what I just shared, I'm going to share some things that are very concerning to me right now that's going on in the body of Christ. Now keep in mind that there are still some wonderful, wonderful churches out there that love God and preach the truth. There are still some men and women of God out there that are fiery preachers that love God's word and they're holding on to the truth of God's word. They're preaching it. There's still places where the Holy Spirit's moving powerfully. So this is not like some thing, some weird, you know, we think everybody's off type thing. There's a lot of people out there that love God and are the real deal. But there's also a lot of deception. One of the deceptions of our time is a hyper-grace message. It was interesting because I just saw a, f a friend of mine that um, was sharing this on Facebook, and he did a little, you know, like five-minute devotional, but he was talking about that there's this grace movement coming up. And in this grace movement, which I believe in grace biblically, but I don't, I'm going to share what I don't believe here in a moment. But anyway, he said in this grace movement, though, that they act like they were kind of against Brownsville because they felt the sermons were too harsh or something. Well, here's the thing. Isn't it interesting that every major move of God, everybody say every. Every major move of God has always had fiery preaching of repentance. It seems to me like that that is what God is doing. And the result of that has been millions of people swept into the kingdom. But now you've got some deception creeping in where people want this hyper-grace message. I remember hearing somebody preach, and I remember thinking to myself while I'm listening to this, this is the exact opposite in every respect of what Steve Hill would have preached. Steve Hill always preached, there's, there's always more, be hungry for more. Go after God for more. Don't settle where you are. You remember that? He would always preach that. This guy was saying, you know, you should just be content where you are. The Lord should just be enough for you. And I was thinking, well, the Lord is enough for me. But, you know, it was just this weird thing where he was getting people to just, you know, just stay where you're at. Where's the hunger for more of God, you know? Where's the hunger to see God move among the lost? But he was preaching in a way that people should just be content with the way things are. I don't know how, if he meant that, but that's what he said. And then I remember that where Brother Steve would preach fiery message of repentance. And no matter how saved you were, you felt like you need to go down and get saved again. But this guy was preaching the exact opposite. He was preaching in a way that would make a sinner feel very comfortable in their sin. It was the exact opposite. And I remember Brother Steve, you know, they were preaching about uh, how God has always moved throughout history and poured out his spirit. And, and there were places where revival would break out and people would come to those revivals and all this. And, and this guy was preaching that he literally was saying, don't pray for revival. I've heard that from a couple people. It would surprise you who's saying that. 
Man, historically, we've needed revival. And in this day that we live, I don't care who's saying we don't need it, who's saying not to pray for it, they're wrong. I love them. We need revival in America. They're just wrong. I love them. We need revival. And I don't think they know what revival is. I think that they think revival is that you just go outside, you're anointed, you witness to somebody, they get saved, and somebody gets healed, wonderful. That's awesome. But we already do that. River of Life, we've been doing that for years. Okay, that's not really revival. The mindset was, don't pray for revival, be revival. That's ridiculous. Revival is where God comes down. It's bigger than any man. Somebody saying, be revival. Give me a break. You know how arrogant that is? No, this is God coming down. This supersedes any man. And all of a sudden, people, by the hundreds of thousands and millions, get convicted of their sin and are swept into the kingdom. We're talking about real Holy Ghost revival. You better be careful who you're listening to. Not everybody knows what they're talking about. So here's some hyper-grace messages. Let me just read what I have here. Hyper-grace messages that God does not see the sins of his children. Since we have already been made righteous by the blood of Jesus and since all of our sins, past, present, and future have already been forgiven. So what they're teaching is, is don't repent of your sin. This is what they're teaching people. Now y'all hear me, look this way. They're teaching this, and this is not my interpretation of what they're teaching. This is what they're teaching. They're teaching people that your sins were already forgiven 2,000 years ago. So you don't have to confess. You don't have to repent. You don't have to get right. That means that the Holy Spirit never convicts a believer of sin, is what they're teaching. The believers never need to confess their sins before God. And just one scripture, why is it the Bible says, if you sin, you have an advocate. If you'll confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. John was writing to Christians. He wasn't writing to, you know, uh, Pontius Pilate or some heathen saying, hey, I'm going to give this to the lost people. He was writing to God's people. He was saying, if you confess your sins. This hyper-grace message, one of the hyper-grace teachers wrote this. When God looks at me, he doesn't see me. He doesn't see me through the blood of Christ. He sees me cleansed. Likewise, he sees us as holy and righteous. He sees us, and he loves what he sees. Wrong. When God sees us, he saw that there were a people that were once lost but now they're forgiven and he does see us through the blood of Jesus okay and now through the blood we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus but there's an arrogance in this that is very very disturbing did Jesus love what he saw when he were you remember reading the book of Revelation five of the seven churches that Jesus wrote to he rebuked them did Jesus love what he saw there no he said, I have this against you. And then he rebuked, rebuked him and he said, repent. Did Paul, writing on behalf of the Lord, love what he saw when he warned the Galatians that they had fallen from grace and become trapped in legalism? Did James also, writing as a servant of the Lord, love what he saw when he rebuked his readers for being friends of the world and adulterers? If the Lord always sees us as holy and righteous and always loves what he sees, why did he rebuke the believers at Laodicea and say, say to the church of Laodicea, you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked in my sight? Why didn't he say to Laodicea, I see you as beautifully clothed, healthy, and rich? So you're seeing, you need to question some things when you start hearing the hyper-grace message because this message of not praying for revival and this also it's connected with this grace-type teaching that is making people feel comfortable in their sin. You have to get beyond and begin to see that there is some kind of a spirit of deception behind that.
And so I believe that once we accept Christ as our Savior and we're born again and we're truly God's, that he washes our sins. But that does not mean that we're perfect. We're going to go through our lives and we're going to have to ask God's forgiveness sometimes. We're going to have to repent. And God is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us. Okay, But there needs to be a healthy fear of God where we walk in that awe of God and we understand that. And not this weird teaching that makes people feel that they're that attitude of, oh, he just loves me, he loves what he sees. And all, there's something very prideful about that. I, I don't know if you can see that, but there is. There's very little deception that has ever come to the body that didn't come through pride. All right, now I'm going to deal with some heretical views. This is very concerning as well. Hopefully I can get through all this. I don't know that all this will be in those that are sitting here, your notes, but it is online. So here's some things. I'm just going to read what I have here. So you guys following me tonight? The Lord loves us, but he also expects that if there's sin in our lives, we repent. The Lord loves these lost people out here. He wants us praying for their souls. We need to be praying for revival. America needs revival. And I believe that God's got some incredible things in the future. But, you know, I'll get to it at the end of this message, but... Anyway, let me, I don't want to get ahead of myself. All right. There was a reporter that confronted one emerging pastor leader by stating, you are creating a Christian message that is warm, kind, and popular to contemporary culture, palatable to contemporary people, and amending the gospel. He believes... This individual I'm referring to believes Jesus wants heaven here and now, not in a way that you would think, but in a way that does away with hell, that there is no hell. He also teaches that the Bible is a human product, not a divine product. If one of his books, he states, what if tomorrow, this is what he states. I want you to listen to this. This is a popular preacher. I hope you all hear my concern tonight because this is a popular preacher. This isn't somebody that's off in a corner. This is somebody that's very well known. And he writes in one of his books, What if tomorrow someone digs up definitive proof that Jesus had a real earthly biological father named Larry? And archaeologists find Larry's tomb and do a DNA sample and prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the virgin birth was really just a myth. The gospel writers threw it in to appeal to the followers of Mithra and Dionysian religious cults that were hugely popular at the time of Jesus, whose gods have virgin births. This preacher has just come out affirming gay marriage and states, I am for marriage, I am for fidelity, I am for love, whether it's a man with a woman or a woman with a woman or a man with a man. I think the ship has sailed, and I think this world we're living in need to affirm people where they are. This is a popular preacher well-known large following you understand what i'm saying when i say a large following i'm talking about thousands and thousands okay television appearances well-known and he's teaching this it's one thing to have a different opinion about little minor things it's another thing to challenge the virgin birth you understand what i'm saying this is what i was getting at earlier test all things hold on to what's good is it okay i just preach it straight tonight is i think sometimes people feel they need to be too nice behind the pulpit and i don't think that the lord would be right now about this so this is where you're getting to foundational christian beliefs that are being directly challenged by an authority figure he's trying to get people to question the virgin birth of christ which validates that he is God in the flesh. You understand, if you do wait with the virgin birth and he had a human dad named Larry, he's not God. He's trying to tell people, insinuate to them that Jesus was not God in the flesh. This is a well-known Christian minister with thousands of followers that is trying to deceive people like that and of course he's affirming things like homosexuality etc all right 
Here's the second concern. Another well-known pastor teaches this. Quote, Drop any affair you may have with certainty, proof, arguments, and replace it with dialogue. So in other words, the infallibility of God's word says it. That's it. Get rid of that. And now there needs to be dialogue, conversation, intrigue, search. You see what he's trying to say? He's flowering it up, but he's attacking the word. He goes on to say the Jesus of one reading of the apocalypse, the end times, brings us to a grim resignation that the world will get worse and worse, which it will. And finally, this, listen to what he says, this jihadist Jesus will return to use force, domination, violence, and even torture, the ultimate imperial tools to vanquish evil and bring peace. I don't think we've got the gospel right yet. What does it mean to be saved? Before modern evangelism, nobody accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. <laughs> right. None of us had arrived at orthodoxy. And we all shake our head in disbelief. He said it. And this is, this is a quote. And then it goes on, when one contrasts the vital portrait of Jesus painted by this individual with the tense caricature, caricature drawn so often by modern Christianity, one cannot help but feeling that the Jesus of modern Christianity is in trouble. That's what he says. He also stated this, God is a cosmic child abuser for his son being sacrificed in the sinner's place. Ultimately, I hope Jesus will save Buddhism, he says, Islam, and every other religion, including Christianity, which often seems to need more saving than other religions. That's what he says. And listen to this. The cross, he said this, the cross isn't the center. It is almost a distraction from God. Now, when I tell you this individual is a popular Christian preacher, I'm not talking about five or ten people in a corner thousands of people great influence this is demonic this is what I talked about earlier spirits of deception this is demonic this is calling God a child abuser for God doing the most loving thing that we've ever seen before giving his son on the cross Anyway, this is a gross perversion of the view of Christianity, a gross perversion of the Word of God. But there's people out there teaching this garbage. Then another, this is number three. Another emergent leader states, Jesus' sacrifice was to appease an angry God. Penal substitution, the cross, was the name of this vile doctrine. He states the church, the church's fixation on the death of Jesus as the universal saving must end the cross must be reimagined in the Christian faith why because of the cult of suffering and the in the vindictive God behind it so you see here and everybody's kind of ticked off okay <laughs> just everybody take a breath but you see here a direct attack against the nature of God Almighty you're seeing it a, a direct attack against the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're seeing a direct attack against the cross and the gospel. And you're seeing a direct attack against God's word. They know how to flower it up and sound intelligent while saying something that is utterly ridiculous and biblically stupid. There's another emergent leader that is a universalist. God help us all. And he believes that everyone will be saved in the end. He states, you are suggesting to me that heaven is actually a place. That place of God is an individual place you go. He's questioning that. There is a weird view. Listen, he's questioning heaven and he's questioning hell. There's a there's two things let me talk about this heaven on earth aspect that is weird now I believe in heaven invading earth where there's an open heaven 
God's glory comes down. The sick are healed. People are delivered. You know what I'm saying? I believe in that, okay? But among another whole group, this hybrid harlot Christianity that's out there, there's a view of heaven on earth that is very bizarre. And let me try to explain it. They believe that if we all, other religions, if Buddhists and Hindus and everybody, including people that profess Christianity, if we all can come together and worship together, we can come into a peaceful euphoria and we can have heaven on earth here and now. And they do away with any type of eternal punishment. They do away with the Bible. They do away with any type of um, foundational bi biblical beliefs about the cross. And they view this as some kind of a coming together. And it's some kind of a weird unity that will bring like heaven on earth. Let me tell you what that is. Let me give you a little bit about end time prophecy. When the false prophet comes on the scene, what he's going to be doing is he's going to be uniting all the religions. You guys have seen the coexist bumper sticker and all that. Okay, that's the false prophet. That's the spirit of the false prophet right now that's at work. But he's going to maneuver things to where he's going to be able to bring um, the religions together. And there's going to be this weird unity. And hear me. In that, there's going to be this hybrid harlot Christianity that's not true Christianity that will be represented there. Do you understand that? There's going to be a Christian representative in that. They're just not real Christians. They're only it by label. And they believe the false prophet will bring this together and this group will help the rise of the Antichrist. And the Antichrist will bring some kind of a belief that if we all, all these different nations can come together, can lay down their arms and all kind of, he can bring them all together. This view that I just said about this emergent church, what they're teaching and believing is in direct alignment with end time prophecy of what the false prophet and the antichrist will be preaching and will bear out, if you will. Does that make sense? There was another emergent leader. These are Christian leaders, supposedly, that took his church into a Buddhist temple to practice occult imagery like Buddhist meditation. He states, he states that we need to listen to some heretics. Yeah. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. This is what these people said. I'm just telling you. All right, so... For many, many years, Roman Catholicism, though, has been working. And I mean for many years. If you don't believe me, research it yourself. The popes have gone to Buddhist temples, have burned smudge pots, have gone to Hindu temples, and have had Islamic clerics in the Vatican. And they have been working for years to unite the religions of the world together. This isn't anything new. Um, I could rabbit trail more on that, but I think that you get the idea and I need to stick to this, what, I got, what God gave me to preach tonight. But let me say one more quote here. Finally, another leader states that we can be gods. This is new age, mind you. We can all be gods. A theology of mysticism provides some hope for common ground between Christianity and Islam. This is what he's believing. And he says, could they, the Muslims, have encountered the same God that we have in Christianity? He believes we can unify with other religions through mystical experiences, as he described, kind of like drug trips, but mystical experiences. So the, there's so many things wrong with that. Where do you start? But I'll say this. The God of Islam has no son. The, the Jesus of Islam is not the Jesus that we know. So no, there's not any common ground with Muslims. We love them. I pray that they get saved. And Allah is not the God of the Bible. They believe that Allah has no son. Let that sink in for a minute. This is not, you're not dealing with the God of the Bible. So I've been preaching a lot in this about deception and mixture. 
everything I just shared with you is deception and mixture. It is trying to get people to believe that they need to question the Bible. It's trying to get people to, to question our foundational beliefs as Christians. Like I said at the beginning of this sermon, there's this harlot Revelation 17 church that calls itself Christianity, but they don't require a new birth. They do not repent of sin and they do not hold to the Bible as the infallible word of God. This is some kind of a hybrid that will unite itself one day with the false prophet. And it will be a very ecumenical move with many other religions. So how many times have you heard me say, be like the Bereans. Know the Bible for yourself. Have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself. Don't blindly follow anybody. Know the Holy Spirit for yourself. We're living in some times, some perilous times, the Bible says. You know, when Paul wrote that, he said in 2 Timothy 3 that in the end times, it would be perilous times. All right, the Greek word for perilous means fierce. Everybody say fierce. fierce. This is like if you walk upon, you're out in the woods, and all of a sudden you stumble upon there's this wolf. And it begins to growl. Its hair begins to stand up. It's very fierce. This is the description. Paul said we're going to be living one day in the latter days in fierce times, perilous times. And so we're going to have to know the Lord. But I believe those of us that really are his, not only will he keep us, but the book of Daniel says that we would do great exploits. I believe these are times that we're going to see the greatest revivals. I believe this is the time we're going to see some of the greatest harvest of souls. I really do. And the bride of Christ is going to be purified. God is, what God is doing is, his sword is coming down, and people that don't have a love for the truth, they don't want to obey God's word. They're rebellious. They don't love the truth. They're not really his. The sword is coming down, and they're departing. It's a sifting. It's a purifying that's going on. And sadly, there are some places out there that call themselves a church, and all those people are gathering there. And they've got him somebody, they call him a preacher, or pastor, whatever. Nowadays, he'd be a coach, right? A life coach, he'd be whatever they call him. And he's up there just telling them things they want to hear in their deception. So the tares are being gathered over here and separated while God's purifying his bride. And there's places where God's true people are gathering. And in those places, people are going to be repenting. People's lives are going to be purified. And we're going to be a bride ready for the bridegroom when he comes. And that shofar blast. That's what's going on. Now let me give you one more thing. And, um, and we'll pray here in a moment. And stuff I preached on tonight really grieves me. There's places out there, and I've seen it. I'm not saying this as a gossip. I've seen it. That they'll let some strange things go on in church. There was one preacher that had somebody on the platform that people were coming up out of the congregation, and on the platform while he's preaching, they were getting tattoos. I saw it. There was one preacher of a church, I, if, it fails me where, where he, big air quotes, pastors, but he cusses like a sailor while he's preaching. I mean, cusses a lot. Yeah. So there's, there's some strange things out there. And there's some very strange spirits. There's churches now that feel very comfortable with alcohol, which leads to a lot of problems. There's churches out there now that are comfortable with occult things. They would be comfortable with things like Harry Potter being shown in children's church, um, yoga being practiced in the church, things like that. It's demonic. What they don't realize, and they, and they would mock this, mind you, what I'm preaching. Well, what they don't realize is they can laugh all they want. They have demons in their church. They have witchcraft spirits that they've allowed in that church. 
And just as things like alcohol has been accepted, don't think that the devil's going to stop there. As the world legalizes marijuana, one day there's going to be churches that people are lighting it up while listening to so-called sermons. You watch. And when they do, and they're getting high in church, there's going to be powerful sorcery spirits that are at work in that church. I don't know about you, but I've renounced all those things. And I want, by the grace of God, you know, I, I, I had to overcome a lot of things when I was a baby Christian, like many of you. God had to deliver me from some things. He had to set me free. You know, but I want my body to be the temple of the Lord. I want that I'm not, you know, putting uh, things like substances in my body that would grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm not cutting and marking up my body, which would grieve the Holy Spirit. My body is not going to be defiled with sexual immorality. You understand what I'm saying? Or practicing witchcraft or something. Forget it. Um, anyway, God has called us to be a holy people. Amen? All right. So let me close with the last couple thoughts here. But worldliness and perversions accepted in the church. I don't even want to read this, but I will. For a long time, there had been a subtle acceptance of things in the church world like abortion. You understand that when a church, when a pastor and the leadership condone abortions in the church, and people are having sexual relations, and then they go out and get abortion, and this is condoned in that church, and those people come in, you do understand that the, the demonic spirits associated with shedding innocent blood, spirits of murder, spirits of death, things like that are circulating in that church. It's been allowed in. You understand that the things I'm preaching on tonight gives the devil legal permission for him to release demons into those fellowships. And he has every right to do it. There's been a subtle acceptance of sin, sexual sins, ungodly entertainment, etc. I've already talked about it, whether it's substances or the occult, whatever. And let me read you something. I believe this was in San Francisco. But this is just one example. So there was a pastor that was at a gay parade promoting it and all that. And he performs gay marriages and said he's been doing it since 1965. He claims that Jesus taught about heaven in stating, I don't want to go to no heaven. I don't believe in that stuff. I think it's a lot of bad word. He promotes the belief, do whatever you will. There was an evil man named Aleister Crowley that, that was his philosophy, do what thou wilt, okay? Which is kind of an offshoot of Satanism, but... This is what he believed. Do whatever you want. He states that in every service at this Glide Church, which is the name of it, if it still is the name, we embrace one another. Again, I don't want to read this, but anyway, he says we kiss one another. We feel one another. The chairman of my official board was an admitted homosexual, and he says, and why not? This is one way for every person to find his sexual identity. I have not married a single couple at this Glide Church who were not already living together. <laughs> One sin on top of the other. He's acting like that's a good thing. Okay. People become stimulated in our church happenings. We believe in people doing their thing and doing what they want to do. Several have become so stimulated they have disrobed. One young man came to the church covered in only a blanket, walked up to the front, threw off his blanket, and stood there totally naked. And this is the pastor, okay? How many knows you don't need to be under a pastor like this? Oh, my God. He said, I walked over and patted him and said, man, what a beautiful body you have. <laughs> my God, help us. There was a, a secular newspaper reporter that went to this church. Now, this is obviously common here. And this was a secular newspaper reporter, okay? He went there to investigate it, and he said this. He said, the service, in my opinion, was an insult to every Christian attending and was the most disgusting play of, display of vulgarity 
and sensuousness I've ever seen anywhere. And that's in a so-called church. And now, and I believe this was in um, San Francisco, I think I post this on Facebook, but there's a, there's a place now that's a Roman Catholic church that basically is connecting like some kind of a worship with of Beyonce and her music and all this. You can look it up for yourself. I hope you understand I'm, I'm preaching out with boldness, but I'm telling the truth. When people have that type of sexual perversions in the church and it's condoned by leaders and it's permitted like that, there are very evil and very powerful demonic spirits that are sexually perverted that are trafficking through that church and they have every right to be there. And when you have a strange place where people are worshiping Beyonce and you have this mixture like that of, of that type of worldliness and entertainment and that weirdness you're having very powerful evil spirits traffic through that church I want that the true word of God is preached if some people don't like that then they can leave I love them but we're not going to water it down for them we're not going to change it for them we're just going to preach it like it is I want that there's a purity in the atmosphere because we're going to do what the Bible says and we're not going to tolerate just flat out unrepentant sin you know what I'm saying that there's a purity that this is a safe place it's a safe place for little children it's a safe place for baby Christians where they can come and it's not a dangerous place where there's that type of filth going on and I want it to be a holy place a place where God is pleased and where the Holy Spirit dwells continually but he will not dwell in these places. And I want to say this as I close that this is not in your notes, but it is online. So people hearing this, I felt the Lord wanted me to put together a list of some books that really impacted my life deeply, very strongly impacted my life. And I pray that they'll be a blessing to you. I'm putting this on the bottom of these notes and I encourage you one at a time to buy the book, read it, study it, go through it slow enough to really get it because there's enough of the strange teaching out there that I don't want you to stumble across something from an author that I was previously talking about you understand so I'm giving you about 10 categories several books here that I feel like would really help you in your spiritual growth you can get these easily on Amazon or something like that but I just encourage you to get them read them and study them okay they'll be a blessing to you but this these books have good teaching in them that will help you grow spiritually all right so as a pastor i you know there's a part of me that doesn't even like preaching like this there's a part of me that doesn't even like talking about this filth but it's out there and we have to expose it the bible says in ephesians they have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness but expose it and so it's part of our calling to expose it and um man there's some strange things out there all right i'm gonna close with prayer and then we're gonna pray for you tonight let me pray and then we'll shut down the recordings but father i pray for all those that are hearing this lord i pray for everyone that we will have a love for the truth that we're not going to be those that have itching ears we're not going to be those that have developed some kind of an appetite for deception but we're going to be those that love the truth and we love purity we want what's pure before you and lord i genuinely pray for that if there's people out there that maybe have, have been a little iffy they haven't been sure lord i pray that you would solidify their faith in christ lord that you would draw them unto you and that they will know the truth of the lord jesus and that they will have a love for your word and they will be established in the truth and established in sound doctrine lord i pray that that you will move by your holy spirit upon their life and break through any shackles of deception and bring them let them be established like having deep roots in the sound doctrine they're on a firm foundation of obeying the teachings of jesus christ he said your house will be like a house built upon the rock if you obey my teachings Jesus said but if you don't obey them your house will be built on sand and when storms come it will be a great crash 
and so lord i pray give your people the grace you said jesus you said if you love me obey my commandments lord help us to be those that love you and live for you and we will truly take up our cross and follow you though in the days to come it may cost us our life it may cost us some severe persecution but lord i pray for the grace that you would help us be strong in the lord and his mighty power putting on the full armor of god and being ready to stand before you one day unashamed jesus said if you deny me before men i'll be ashamed of you before my father lord i pray help us that we will be bold we're not going to be ashamed of the lord we're not going to be ashamed of his word before anybody we're going to stand with you lord in jesus name i pray amen